Pastor Xavier Reese offers the only formula that will guarantee spiritual growth. It has been said that faith is idle when circumstances are right. Only when they are adverse is one's faith in God exercised. Faith, like a muscle, grows strong only with exercise. We don't like to exercise faith. We like to proclaim faith. But the only way to grow in faith is to exercise. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Most Christians can repeat 2 Corinthians 5-7 by memory, but how many are really willing to live by it? Today, Pastor Xavier leads us on a journey of faith and shows us the blessings that accompany a life of obedience. But it's an obedience that has been first put to the test, a test that consisted of an incredible act of faith. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 19, and the message entitled, The Ultimate Test of Abraham. The life of Abraham, as you know, began with the call on his life from Ur the Chaldees. But it was a constant testing from that point on. He failed the test of his first call to leave his land, procrastinating and here until the death of his father in chapter 11. He passed the test of his second call, leaving Hiram at 75 to Canaan, and there God appeared to him at Shechem in chapter 12. He failed to trust God for his safety during the severe famine in the land, and he went into Egypt and lied about his wife in chapter 12. He passed the test in the separation of Lot, not being greedy in chapter 13. He passed the test of faithful love and contentment with God's provisions as he returned from the rescue of Lot, rejecting Caleomer and embracing Melchizedek in chapter 14. He failed the test of trusting God to give him a son through Sarah, so he listened to his wife and he had Ishmael in chapter 16. He passed the test of compassionate intercession for the righteous to avert judgment in chapter 18. He failed the test at Gear, lying about his wife again in chapter 20. And he passed the test of sending Ishmael away from the son of the promise, Isaac, in chapter 21. But now came the greatest test of his life. He was to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Wow. Let me read our passage, verse 1 through 19. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mounds which I shall tell thee, or you. Um, so Abraham rose up early in the morning, he saddled his donkey and took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offerings? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb. 
for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there in the place, place the wood in order, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thickest by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, as the sands of the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now, the greatest test of Abraham's life Coming upon him, the sacrifice of son is characterized by three things. Verse 1 through 4, the clear command to Abraham. Verse 5 through 14, the complete obedience of Abraham. And verse 15 through 19, the communicated blessing to Abraham. The clear command to Abraham, verse 1 through 4. Notice in verse 1. The testing of Abraham's faith, the test of Abraham was from God. Mark that very, very clear. The time of the testing is not exactly clear. It simply says it came to pass after these things, referring to the previous chapter, 21. Abraham was 100 years old at Isaac's birth. At the weaning, he was 103 to 105. In the following chapter, Abraham is 147 years old. If we take just half of that difference, it's 21 years. Because it's 42 years difference. You take half of this 21. At 21, if you just take the middle, Abraham would be 126 here and Isaac would be 26. But even if you were conservative at 15, Isaac would be 20. So he's not a little kid. He's got some muscles. He's big. Notice the test was divine. God tested Abraham. The word tested, as you know, means to prove or to try. It's the same word that is used by the Queen of Sheba who tested Solomon. To prove. The idea is not of tempting one to fail, but rather to affirm the genuineness of the reality of the issue, whatever it may be. Now, the test of his ear came as God called out his name, Abraham. Don't miss that. The instant God called, he answered. The ear of Abraham was sensitive and tuned to God Elohim. The word God is Elohim here, the creator. He has the right to do as he pleases. He's the one who lords over his creation. The response of Abraham was, here I am. The answer reveals the attitude of a servant, humility. Instantly, Abraham's name appears 18 times between verse 1 and 19. Notice in verse 2, the test of Abraham was then to sacrifice a son, the promised son. 
The intimate relationship is declared. Then he said, take now, don't miss it, your son. The command is expressed by a threefold imperative verb. Take, go, offer. Similar to the call of chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Leave, go to that land. Perhaps Abraham began to be enamored more with Isaac than the one who gave him Isaac at this point. It's easy to become idolatrous as a Christian. The preciousness is related. Listen, your only son. God did not acknowledge Ishmael. He was a work of the flesh. The name Isaac appears six times. God is pointing out the uniqueness of Isaac here. The promised son. The word son appears ten times. The word only appears three times. Throughout the narrative here, it is a focus on the uniqueness of the son that he must give over to God. The most precious thing of his life that should never be before God. Notice the passion is affirmed. Whom you love. The Septuagint translates it, beloved son. This is the first time the phrase only son appears in the Old Testament. And it is in relationship to the love of a father to a son. These are the last words that are recorded as God speaking to Abraham. We don't see any more after this. The first time love of a father and son appears in the New Testament is John 3.16. Coincidence? This chapter in John 3.16? I don't think so. Notice the place he was to be taken was given. The proclamation was an imperative. Go. The location was familiar place, the land of Moriah, the area of Jerusalem. Abraham had been there with Kelamur and Melchizedek. Moriah's were... Solomon would build the temple in 2 Chronicles 3.1. If you keep going up, Calvary's at the very top. Though there's been a cutting in a, on a street there today, but if you continue the topography straight up, Calvary's on top of Moriah, about 45 miles from Beersheba. Now, the particular details was shocking. Listen, the mission pronounced was an offer him there as a burnt offering. The practice of human sacrifice existed among the inhabitants of the land, as you know, particularly the Canaanites, the firstborn. 2 Kings 3.27 gives us an, uh, an instance. The law declared that Israel was not to do that. The law and the prophets uh, forbade it. Leviticus 18, uh, Micah 6.7 says, Shall I offer my firstborn? The answer is obvious, no. Though the law was not given as of yet, Burn offerings later would be given in Leviticus chapter 1. A complete dedication and consecration, that's what was symbolic of. Totally burned up on the altar, dedicating yourself to God. The offering here is repeated over and over again in verse 2, 3, 6, 7, 8, and 13, six times. The mission, notice, uh, revelation was not complete. Don't miss this. On one of the mountains which I shall tell you. In other words, God didn't reveal everything all at one time. Just like he doesn't for you and I, he guides us a step at a time, a day at a time. If God would show you the things that the next, the next month, you'd run the other way. Now, there'd be a lot of good stuff in there, but it's the stuff that you don't want to go through that you'd run from, okay? So God knows better, and he just guides me a day at a time. Notice in verse 3, the test of Abraham was in true submission. The preparation for the trip is given to us. The promptness is, is, is so evident. So Abraham arose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. The people involved, he took two young men with him, Isaac, his son. The provisions taken, he split the wood for the burnt offering. Boom, 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 boom. Obedient, a servant. 
difficult time. Don't lose the emotion of this whole passage. Um, we look at it, oh, yeah, this, this, this. No, this is, this is a man who's been called out for the first time. God's building a nation. There's not much revelation, and he's being obedient. This is a, a heart-wrenching experience, and yet he's obedient. The promptness in departure for the trip says uh, there was no lack of hesitation. He arose and he went. Complete immediate obedience. No lack of alteration to the place which God had told him. It's so easy for us to try to rationalize and not try to be obedient, and we kind of spiritualize it. He was obedient in every little detail, every little detail. Notice in verse 4, the test of Abraham was agonizing. The reality of the journey. Then on the third day, for three days, Isaac was as good as dead in the mind of Abraham. As good as dead. For the father to imagine his son or daughter dead is agonizing. The suffering's on both ends. Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Mount Moriah is seen about a distance of three miles. Mount Moriah marked the end of the journey. The day was at hand. It has been said that faith is idle when circumstances are right. Only when they are adverse is one's faith in God exercised. Faith, like a muscle, grows strong only with exercise. We don't like to exercise faith. We like to proclaim faith. But the only way to grow in faith is to exercise. We must be sure to distinguish between temptations and testings. Temptations are brought on by ourselves, Satan, and the world. Listen to James 1, 12 through 14. Blessed the man who endures temptations, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it brings birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Testings are brought about by God for the purpose of revealing my heart. My heart is not real pretty at times. Listen, Deuteronomy 8, 2. And you shall remember the Lord Yahweh, your God, that he led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Here, listen. To humble you, to test you, to know what was in your hearts, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Whoa. Not that he doesn't know it, but he wants me to know it. <laughs> Psalm 26, 2 says, examine me, O Yahweh, and prove me, try my mind and my heart. Purification. Testing through fire. James puts it this way, James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing spiritually. Peter puts it this way. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if indeed you have been grieved, by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 6-7. Did you get it? Listen. They are for a season, not forever, a little while. They are needful, not senseless to make us miserable. 
They are of various kinds, not of the same intensity or the same manner. They are more precious than gold, not worthless. Think of your life, the things that God has put you through if you walk with God for a while and how it has caused you to deny yourself and die to self and become more like Christ. That's always a good thing. Because the only one that can really stand me is me. Everybody else has to put up with me. (laughs) So the more I change, the better it is for everybody else. Peter again says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which uh, is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. If you're a Christian, you're born to trials, testings. It's not a weird thing. But rejoice in the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when he, his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. It's a lifestyle. Testings. Sufferings. In fact, the way to deal with them is given to us by James. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a waste of the sea driven to and fro. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I have to be consistent. I have to be pressing forward. Doesn't mean we don't fail. We fail, but we press forward. We look to him. We come to the end of ourselves. We ask for his wisdom, his direction, for our marriages, for our children, for our business, for what we buy, what we don't buy. All that we do. The clear command to Abraham was a test of his faith. Notice, secondly, it's characterized by the complete obedience of Abraham. The call to be tested is one thing, but now the obedience is highest of all. Notice the proclamation of faith in verse 5 and 6. In verse 5, the complete expression of faith by Abraham is stated. The purpose of the journey, don't miss it, was to worship God. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Underline it. Abraham was going to go worship God. The word worship means to prostrate oneself, to bow down before a superior, down to the ground. The positive return by both from the journey is unmistakable. Listen to his words. And we will come back to you. The personal pronoun we refers to Abraham and Isaac. Hebrews tells us that Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up from the dead if need be. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. Wow. God can't lie. Gave him the son. The seed would be through Isaac. If he kills him, he's got to raise him. It's not Abraham's problem. It's God's problem. But Abraham has to pass a test of all the emotions, of the obedience. The servants were to remain together. They knew nothing about this. It's not their test. We want to lay our test on somebody else. No, you pass your test and learn from it. Notice verse 6, the complete expression of fellowship by Abraham and Isaac was present. The participation of Isaac is clear. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. The purposeful intent is on. Deniable. He took the fire in his hand, the knife, the two of them went together. Fellowship. A complete expression of faith. Obedience to the revelation of God is worship. Let me repeat that. Obedience to the revelation of God is one form of worship. When you obey, you're worshiping God. 
It's not the only way we worship God. It's a very important way we worship God. They would indeed worship God together on the mountain, as we'll see. Listen to James 2, 21 through 24. And the scriptures was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by, not only by, by works and not only by faith only. If it's truly biblical faith, then God brings forth works from it. But this is to a person who's saved. Works do not come before the cross, but after the cross. Notice the confirmation of faith that is given to us in verse 7 and 8. The point of question of Isaac is recorded in verse 7. The obvious provision is noted. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. But then the obvious omission is mentioned. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? What would you do with Abraham? <laughs> I, I've got him in my back pocket, son. Hmm. The prophetic certainty of Abraham is then recorded in verse 8. The revelation is communicated, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide, literally in the Hebrew, himself, not for himself. He'll provide himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering. Prophetic. Abraham knew perfectly that it was in the name of Isaac that his descendants would be named. Genesis 21, 12 tells us. Remember, we have been told by the New Testament already that Abraham knew that God was able to raise him up. Wow. Hanging on to that with all the emotions, all the difficulties. The progression up the mountain continued, so the two men went up together. Abraham obeying in faith, Isaac trusting through faith. You remember your little son or daughter when they were little? You're swinging them on a swing, and you said, you know, let go and I'll catch you. And they just trusted you do, and you miss them. <laughs> ah! I'm sorry. But they, they don't say, well, I wonder if this guy going to catch me. They just jump. Never forget it. Abraham obeying in faith. Isaac trusting through faith. It's on both ends. Father and son. Notice the execution of faith then in verse 9 through 12. In verse 9, the appropriation of faith by Abraham is manifested. He obeyed God's instructions. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. All according to the revelation of God. Abraham did not have the benefit of the law and the prophets, let alone the New Testament. God was just beginning to build a nation. But he obeyed in what he knew. Don't worry about how much you don't know about God's word. Obey what you do know. You don't hold your child responsible for what you haven't taught him. You hold him responsible for what you have taught him. He made preparations to worship God. And Abraham built an altar there in the place, and he placed the wood in order, as he had done when he entered the land of Shechem and God appeared to him in chapter 12 and 13, as he had moved to Hebron and built an altar there also in chapter 13. This was the practice of Abraham, not when he was in trouble. Listen well. If you only worship God, obey God when things are going well, it's a good practice. It will build character. But the true test comes when the testing comes. 
But if you only worship God and run to God when you're in trouble or the test, then you're going to do exactly what you practice. You don't obey, you don't worship. When the test comes, you will be exactly as you were in preparation. No different. Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to passing the tests of life. And you can pick up a copy of today's uplifting message, The Ultimate Test of Abraham. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, these messages are a great way to share this ministry with your family and friends. The title to ask for once again is The Ultimate Test of Abraham. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. You can also give us a call at 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Why is obedience so important? That's the subject of our next meeting with Pastor Xavier Reese, right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 